Podcast. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Dakota Lasky. Dak, how you doing, man? We had uh, quite the the bit of feedback for our last episode. Did we? Yeah, I guess we did. <laughs> we had a good we had a good amount of comments on it for sure. A lot of uh, yeah. agreeing, a lot of disagreeing, which is which is always good. Nice to see. And yeah, you know what? I, I thought that it was like actually very positive. Um, and, and, and in particular, I, I saw like a comment that said like. It was a negative episode, and and I don't think that it was actually. I, I really didn't feel that way at all, even though we kind of had differing opinions on some of the story elements of Dread. I I didn't think that we were unfair or beat anything up. So um, yeah, I, I think that maybe like there were one or two comments like that, but I think overall the, the response was pretty good. What did, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part it seemed pretty good. Yeah, I'm so I know I ranted for a bit, so you know, take it for what you will, but. I, at most, it seemed like everyone was, was pretty, uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of like, yeah, I definitely understand like, you know, the viewpoints that we were kind of throwing in. I saw a lot of that. And I mean, I think we tried to be as understandable, as re- reasonable as possible, but I'm not going to put us over too hard here. But yeah, I think it, yeah. I think it went pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was good. So um, I don't know. I, I saw that comment that it was... Uh, a negative episode and i was like hey i'll ah, say whatever i want like i, I said so. like i said yeah. to that comment on twitter i waited for this game for 20 years i bought it six times if i have some gripes <laughs> i have earned it more than enough two three times over uh, at least to say how i feel so <laughs> yeah yeah uh well we're we're aiming to have a good episode uh today we are back with mapping metroid it's been a minute yeah. since our last mapping metroid the last one i think was the wrecked ship from super metroid so uh, we are we are pivoting and we are talking about Arteria from Metroid Dread today. But first, this isn't Metroid related at all. But uh, I know that we were both uh, we both checked it out this weekend. I went and saw the first movie that I've seen since Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> in theaters this weekend. I saw Dune, and I really liked it, but I didn't love it actually. And and I was really hoping to love it because mm. like. Like, Blade Runner 2049 is, like, one of my, like, all-time favorite movies. Really loved Arrival. Um, I I really love Dune. Or, I really like Dune. How about uh, you that? You said it. I think uh, I, uh, I could have watched. It. So, I, I think, I, maybe I saw you say this, actually, on Twitter today. But someone, and it might have been you, was like, yeah, I could have watched this for, like, six hours. And I'm with you. I could have watched this thing for, like six or eight hours and then maybe i would have felt like i kind of grasped my head around everything but yeah it was uh it was really good i had some grapes ended very abruptly but uh overall a really really awesome movie i well i will say that i did actually enjoy it a lot i would say i love the movie and i have a question for you did you see it in imax no no i did not i saw it in imax now i mean i feel like if you still enjoyed it besides maybe some of the story stuff that maybe it wouldn't matter but you should see it in imax man this movie was made for that format it was incredible i'm so glad i got to see it in theaters i'm actually considering going back and seeing it in imax a second time because i enjoyed it a lot 
Um, yeah, I know a bunch of people said that on online, and I definitely echoed those sentiments as well. I would have been absolutely happy sitting there for another two and a half hours for another movie. Like I was ready. Like I was. Like, I knew the ending was coming up. I was like, ah, like, come on. Like I give me more. Like I'm so I'm ready for more. And I really hope that there's a lot more coming. I enjoyed it a lot. Like yeah, I have a couple of gripes. I think uh, I actually think for the most part the story was was pretty solid and good. And like I don't know, I enjoyed how it was told. Though I definitely understand how people like would be confused by a lot of stuff or like maybe it wasn't explained enough and there were definitely even elements to me that it, it's very dense that. it is dense i mean yeah. it's Dune, like, yeah. like did you read the books or anything like no that but i read like the wikipedia articles of the books okay. like a while ago but so like i i didn't know the specifics but like i had a general idea of what's happened so like i kind of knew what to expect so like when things were introduced i like recognized them you know but like the as like and that's like really for the beginning stuff like i don't know what happens like after this really like and like more specific right. stuff but so like a lot of the big like the setup in this movie i kind of understood already so maybe i'm just biased and I'm, i probably am but i do think it for the most part it was told pretty well um i think my only other gripe was that there was a, a bunch of like i mean there were a lot of visions of zendaya like looking back at the camera over <laughs> like crossing a sand dune i was like all right i get it oh, like dude that <laughs> knife man like take a drink every time you saw that thing well the Holy. knife was fine because it was at least a dark shot but like the zendaya shots are like these bright daytime shots so like there's one point at the end of the movie where like it's going back and forth between paul who's having these visions in like a dark like or dimly lit room or area and then uh, Zendaya, who's like on the beach in broad daylight, and I'm getting like flash banged in the in the movie theater, like by the IMAX screen because of how bright it is, and then going back to the dark screen, it was, it was wild. But like that crazy huge format and the screen was sick. Like um, there are a couple sequences where you kind of don't even see what's happening, and then you see like people moving on like the bottom far left of the screen. You got like turn your head to go and look. It was a really awesome experience to see in theaters. I have very few gripes at all. I thought everyone was great. I thought the acting was great. I thought the, I mean, the set design, Actually, the character yeah. design was amazing. I, I the cinematography was awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I really am well, considering seeing it again. See, that's what I mean. Like, I, I was totally expecting this movie to be visually awesome, and man, it was. Like, yeah. it, like it really was. Um, sounded uh, incredible. Mm -hmm. Hans, uh, Hans Zimmer did the score. It was awesome. Um, and the acting was like, I, I think that the acting to a person was like really awesome. It, it's just like. It was a very dense story. Yeah. Like I didn't know anything going in, so I I kind of thought like the A story was um, Oscar Isaac's on this planet, and then I thought the A story might be like this uh, this rebellion of the the people that used to be on this planet, and then I thought the A story might be like the like the witch cult thing that the that his mom belongs to or whatever. But uh, yeah, maybe I just need to see it a few more times. But uh, it it definitely was an experience for sure but i i think that my biggest gripe is like if you're gonna so this movie just ends very abruptly which which can be fine if like the next one is on the way kind of imminently but th that's not really the case with this so i feel like it kind of ended and and i don't know when we're gonna you know see the second part yeah i was actually surprised that they haven't already begun filming i was actually i, I was under the impression that the next movie was coming pretty soon but i looked and they haven't even started filming at all so I was really surprised about, which means like we wouldn't get the next Dune movie for like, what, like two, three years minimum, like three oh, to yeah, four years, least. you know? Yeah. So it's like it, it does kind of feel weird where like, all right, that was really awesome. But like, when are we actually going to get the next one? Are we even going to get the next one? And I was really under yeah. the impression that we were going to get another one. But I hope we do, because I mean, it said part one 
<laughs> in the movie on like on the title I, I think screen. we are. Yeah, so I assume we are. I, I don't think it says part one if you're not getting part two, right? Yeah, I hope not. Across yeah. my fingers. I did enjoy it a lot, and I'm hoping we get some more because it was all really sick setup and world building, and now the movie, you know, like the, the series, the second movie can really go into full gear with, you know, moving the plot along, which is going to be sick. Yeah, totally. So, uh, you know, I had some gripes about the movie, but I mean, if you're on the fence about seeing Dune, like even just like watching it visually, whew, man, it is mm-hmm. something else for sure. Um, something else, maybe not in a good way. Maybe, maybe it is in a good way. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's up to the eye of the beholder here, but Nintendo Switch Online with the expansion pass will have launched by the time that everybody is listening to this. And uh, I, I'm pretty stoked. I'm not going to lie. I know a bunch of people are complaining about the price, and maybe rightfully so. But, dude, I'm looking at, like, Yoshi Story and Star Fox and, and Ocarina of Time. And, like, I'm actually more excited for, like, Star Fox, Yoshi Story, Dr. Mario, like, the games I haven't played in, like, forever. So I'm, I'm really jazzed about this. I'm really excited about this. And uh, uh, I'm, it is, it, when we're done and when... When it's late night, time for bed. Before I go to bed, I might just pull up my Switch and uh, play some Yoshi Story tonight. Well, Yoshi Story is an awesome game to play, man. I I love that game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. A big Yoshi Story stan. Um, I would even say I enjoy it more than Yoshi's Island. <laughs> um, I, I think I would, too. I love that game. I do. I think I would, too. But uh, I don't need to get Nintendo Switch Online for that. I can just walk 10 feet away where my N64 is and pop in Yoshi Story and, and play it. So... Yeah, I won't be picking that up. I think I really only have like an online like like subscription at all for the Switch just to play um Smash online. That's like pretty much it. So I don't I don't really see I mean, it looks cool, I guess. I don't know. Like Nintendo like piecemeal giving us like old games from 20, 30 years ago that should be more accessible and available that I've already played a billion times anyway, like doesn't do anything for me and then like the other part of the, of the uh, expanded online service is animal crossing dlc <laughs> okay great so i don't really care about that so yeah i don't know definitely not going to be for me it doesn't really excite me because i already own these games i could also emulate them if i really wanted to it's just another really roundabout uh pricey way to play games i already own or have played a ton of time so gonna pass for me but i am happy that you're excited for it and uh yeah definitely play yoshi story because that game is goaded definitely going to i'll definitely be checking out paper mario when that drops definitely banjo kazooie Mm -hmm. when that drops again and uh you know it it certainly is more expensive than than i would have anticipated i think when this service came out i was thinking like okay it'll add an extra ten dollars per year to to my annual fee which definitely was not the case but i don't know i i think that uh you know, if you go in on a family plan, maybe maybe split it between a few pals. It's actually, it's not too bad. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing uh, maybe late tonight, playing some Yoshi Story, taking a break from Metroid Dread. Finally, uh, I've beat the game like four different times now. Uh, hard-moded 100% yesterday, so that was cool. And uh, I'm ready to talk about Arteria in the first area in the game and uh, get back into mapping Metroid. And, of course, we're going to take... Uh, a look at kind of the layout of the area, some of the specific rooms that we think are cool, maybe some of the bosses, some of the items, some of the the expansions, all of that good stuff. Uh, so let's just start right out with Arteria. That is our first area of the game. 
This is from Metro Dread Report number 8. Quote, This area is located in the deepest parts of ZDR and has a low temperature environment. The upper portion of Arteria contains vast amounts of magma, which is used as the primary source of energy on the planet. So, very, very kind of like neat starting area. And to me, when you start off in Arteria, it very much is reminiscent of Criteria from Super Metroid, in my opinion, because it's like kind of this rocky, wet, kind of cavernous looking uh, area. And, and it stays that way mostly for the first little bit that you're actually in the zone. But I actually, I was thinking, and I was I was kind of uh, putting this together in my head where like, I think that of any area in any Metroid game, Arteria might be like the most utility or like it's the it's the all-purpose area because like there's the rocky caverns part there's the underwater parts there's like these fiery magma parts there's mechanical areas of course in the emmy zone there are icy areas in the upper left um there's really a little a little flavor of everything in this area and and i don't know if that is good or if it kind of like doesn't you know that phrase, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure where I land on that yet. Maybe I would have just liked it to be a little bit more cavernous, but I do think that that's pretty cool, and I can't think of another area in the series that kind of has the versatility of Arteria. You know, I would say it's it's pretty well balanced. I, from, from, I guess, my impression of the area, it's mostly cavernous. Like, those other like biomes that you describe, like, they do show up, but they don't show up as much as, like, the cavernous parts of... Arteria. So I would say it's mostly weighted to like those big, like deeper caverns that have like the shadows and the little animals jumping around and water, either in like, you know, pooling up in the background or dripping from the ceiling and stalactites and stalagmites. Like that's, I would say that's a, 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 maybe not a super majority, but a majority of that area. And then it has a little bit of a taste of all those little other biomes too. It also is like a hub between, I believe, three areas in the game directly. Like, I think it goes right yes. to Dairon, Kataris, and uh, Berenia, Beren- yeah. yeah. So, um... There you go. Look, look <laughs> at you rattling off those names. Well, you know, I, it's like, at this point, I'm, like, <laughs> reading them, like, all right, Kataris, Ataris, Atari, like, I'm just, like, like they're just... Anyway, but, yeah, so this is, I think this is a night. like, this is pretty much the perfect kind of starter area because it has a mix of all those different things. It's a hub area. You get a bunch of a good amount of upgrades here too actually and then it has a big shift later so it's definitely one of the most well executed areas in the game for that reason because i think it still stays true to the mostly cavernous aesthetic that it starts off with but it gives you a little bit of everything else and it doesn't just give you like caves like you have like different size caves that have different kinds of you know animals moving around them of course you have rooms that have the chozo statues and the cherry blossom trees and all that so that gives a different aesthetic as well when you're entering those like deeper rooms outside of just the general caves so yeah i mean for, for how it kind of gives you a bit of everything but still is like a pretty classic, like you're in the caves of a planet Metroid experience. I think um, mm-hmm. Arteria does that really well. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe you sold me on that, that it, it does. Cause you're right. The, the, you like the magma, the frozen portions are definitely a little bit smaller. So uh, I'll take back my master of none comment. Um, one thing that I, I really did like about Arteria and you kind of see this in Arteria and Kataris, but mostly in Arteria, I think, is about, I don't know, halfway, 65% through the game. You have what feels like 
a very Metroid Fusion-esque sequence where you have, like, a specific objective that you have to, like, you can't really diverge off this path to go and do. So, like, um, I guess maybe spoilers, maybe not. Uh, if anyone doesn't want to hear this, fast forward a little bit. But the planet starts to slowly freeze because some of the uh, some of the enemies on said planet, ZDR, have, have stopped magma production. And so Arteria is where you need to go and traverse. And, like, most of the doors are frozen shut. So there's, like, kind of a very direct path that you need to take from kind of the, the secret, I guess, entrance from Berenia all the way back up to where you go into Kataris. I, I really enjoyed this sequence. And, like... I, I I don't know... So I've talked about Metroid Fusion before, and, like, I do like these sequences where you have an objective, but I feel like Metroid Fusion, to me, was, like, a little bit too heavy-handed with those. Whereas this one, I was like... For the most part of Metroid Dread, you can free explore, you can roam, but if you're, if you're really just playing Metroid Dread, this is probably your second trip to Arteria when this happens. But maybe you've came back a bunch of different times before. But I thought that it was refreshing to have that, like, really kind of objective that you needed to do and it, and it very much reminded me of like the best parts of metroid fusion and this is the same area that has that like first escape sequence too if, if i'm not mistaken yeah. right so yeah like yes the, i think it's it's not just like a specific objective for me which i agree with what you just said too and i you know immediately thought of fusion in these sequences but like i just like the immediate kind of injection of okay you have a specific thing you got to do right now you have no choice and you got to get through that before you go back to what you were doing. I like that about Fusion, like where you had to get through a certain area and, oh, the power goes out. You got to go through the through the wall. You got to go through you – know, you can't use the elevator. You got to go through the, like this little path here. Like I, I like mm -hmm. that because then eventually you do get back to your routine of you know traversing as you, as you normally would. But I, I think Dread executes that better. I agree. But I like this. Like, all right, immediately you got the – it doesn't matter what you're doing. You got to take care of this right now. And it adds that like level of intensity and like adds a little more gravity and weight to what you're doing because it's not just, okay, I can progress at my own pace. Sometimes you can't do that. And it adds to that, you know, real, like, nice, palpable intensity of the gameplay. So I really like those sequences. I actually kind of wish there was, like, one or two more of those, like, throughout the game. Because I, I really like, I just love those quick bursts of, of action. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been paced a little bit better overall if maybe one more is inserted towards the middle of the game. But that's such a crazy nitpick. Um, I think it was great what they had in the game. Like, that escape sequence at the beginning... Of course, there's one at the actual end, and then you have, like, this Frozen sequence, which, again, yeah, awesome. This is another thing, too. I love when locations um, change, like, very drastically. Like, you know, in Fusion, again, you have that one area that gets, like, choked by the vegetation, and you got to, like, traverse it and, you know, get around that area now that it's kind of changed, you know, geometrically by all the new vegetation that's been added. And here, now you got to go through this area because it's been completely frozen. So I like those like massive shifts in, in areas that you've already been through once, which Fusion does pretty well at one point, and this game does well too. So this was, yeah, I agree, very refreshing and fun. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it right there. Like uh, like I said, Fusion may have done it a bit too much for me, but like I really I do think that there's room in Metroid for like these types of sequences where like the area's changed, you have to stop what you're doing, and you have to complete this objective. Uh, this really like highlighted to me like how fun that actually was and like how cool it was to you know use my wits to try and traverse arteria in a little bit of a different way so mm -hmm. um, i really like the sequence of course you pointed it out as well there is another escape sequence which is 
probably the the closest thing that we have to another sequence like this in the game where um basically things just start blowing yeah. up and you have to scale to towards like the top i want to say the top left of arteria and you are finally rewarded with the various suit which lets you um you know which lets you brave the heat but i, I think that this is actually kind of a, a cool little sequence as well because it's not your typical escape sequence or like you have the timer kind of go down but if you linger the heat starts to get to you and your health will slowly or maybe not slowly if you're on hard mode uh, start to deplete so this was kind of a cool sequence as well yeah i absolutely love this really cool i'm a big mark for environmental damage whether it's player you know uh, attributed or just kind of pre-scripted in the game i just love that kind of stuff so when this started happening i i definitely remember popping off i was like oh this is so sick like i'm on like i'm getting out of here and yeah again another really awesome sequence where you gotta have to do something on a moment's notice you have no other choice you can't really linger you can't you know um you know, kind of hang around and, and go at your own pace, so to speak, which, you know, changes up the flow of the gameplay, which I really like. But again, the chain immediate like environments breaking down stuff's blowing up. is like, whoa, whoa, OK, I'm, I guess I'm oh, I guess awesome. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and like that was sick. Yeah, I love that. That was really cool. And it, it adds to, again, the the depth and kind of di like dynamics of the areas. You're not just going through them. They're not just like this, like plaster mold kind of area. They're going to change. They're going to shift over time. That's a really cool element. You know, it was pretty cool too, how that specific area, I, I don't believe that it was like a heated area before, but after that it stays heated. So like you have to have the very suit to, to traverse for there. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was a really cool sequence. Um, I, this was like a small thing and I wonder if you liked it as well, but I thought that it was, like, really cool. And, like, Kataris and, uh, or Kataris and Arteria both do this. But, like, when you activate the magma, like, switches or whatever, you could kind of follow mm -hmm. the the pipelines to, like, your next main objective. It gave me, like, Jurassic Park vibes when Ian Malcolm is, like, follow the cables. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm, I'm following the cables. And, like, you eventually can get to, um, to the control room where, you know, Mini Mother Brain is hiding out. So I, I thought that that was, like, a really cool little touch yeah 100 percent agreed especially for someone who was getting lost at times the sequence was nice i was like oh yeah i know where to go but you know <laughs> at first it's not like immediately noticeable i think and then you're like oh hey like i'm gonna follow those i think there's even one moment where like you can't necessarily follow it you kind of have to go around a little bit and yeah that was a really nice touch and even like like the overall turning on the magma flow and like how that contributes to you know, different parts of the game is cool. Even like the small details where you're, you know, running to the bridge from our Arteria to Kataris. Jesus, I'm fumbling over these names. And like in the background, you can see like the magma like siphon or whatever kind of flowing. And then when it's frozen, it's just like inert completely. It's like just like small little things like that are really cool. And yeah, I like that they incorporated that element of okay you can follow these a little bit and see what you can do to strategically follow them as best you can instead of it just being like okay run up to this thing hit the hit the button run to the next one hit the button like at least adds a little more to it which is nice mm -hmm. yeah you mentioned that that magma room we i think we talked about this when we did the dread report but like man that room is spectacular and actually as well the um the cherry blossom room too which is yes. also something that we talked about in, in the dread report but like Oof, those two rooms, I, I think, are the standout rooms in Arteria. Like, they just look, man, they look awesome. Yeah. You know, this is, it's one of those things about Dread where, like, there are a couple things you look at it and you're like, hmm, 
that doesn't really make sense. But then there are other things where oh, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it makes sense. It's really cool. So like for example, um, the fact that like the caves down in this part of like the planet Artaria, ha there's like light shining down into the caves, even though this is apparently the deepest <laughs> part of the planet. So like at one point I was like, how is there light getting into these caves at all? Like it looks really cool. <laughs> how is their light managing I, I to get down here? I think that Metroid Dread report mentions that where Does they're it? just like, yeah, some light gets down here, um, and, and I was like, okay, like whatever. The, I, I want to see one of those holes that's letting the light in, and like that would be like, how yeah. deep is that? Like, how why does like why doesn't Samus just look at that light and be like, hmm? I bet you I could just follow that to the surface and get out. But hey, um, I'm not I'm not Samus, so I guess maybe I wasn't right to think that. But then like the cherry blossoms too. I don't know how those got there, but it doesn't matter. It looks really awesome, and I love like the. You know, the dichotomy of, like, the dark, like, covered in shadow, um, like, Chozo statues that are just huge and menacing, like, kind of surrounded by these, like, nice cherry blossoms, which just look really cool. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice overall composition of a shot. And then, of course, you have, like, areas where, like, there's just, like, blood pooling in the room, like, Corpius's, blood, uh, Corpius's room. Samus walking through those areas is super sick. Um, also, like we talked about too in the uh, in the Metroid or in the Treehouse episodes too, but just like not not a particular room, but just seeing all like the wildlife and stuff like that moving in the background, it just it, it never really got old for me. Mm -hmm. It just made me appreciate kind of how far we've come from like Super Metroid or Metroid Fusion. And uh, well, yeah, you know the backgrounds in those games looked really great, but like it, this is just so interactive, and it just uh, made me stop and, and smile whenever I saw that. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's a, one yeah. room. One room that is not making people smile is, uh, you know, yeah. what? I, I'm going to go on a side tangent here. Actually. I hate that the 2d Metroid games don't have room names. I love that about prime where like every room has a name mm -hmm. and in Metroid, they don't have that in 2d Metroid. It makes it very hard to talk about specific rooms, but in the room that, uh, <laughs> that you have to go into and it's, it's kind of, magma factory-esque it's on your way to Kataris. it's right before the big long magma room actually and i'm pretty sure everybody listening here probably got stuck in this for a little bit um where you have to shoot the ceiling where you can see the enemies crawling above you and the ceiling will give away and then you can proceed i i was stuck on this for a little bit i did a couple uh, dipsy doos around arteria came back shot the ceiling felt like a fool and then i proceeded but i saw this video where like and the, I forget the guy's name, but he was like a game designer. Uh, David Jaff and he made or like Jaffe. A, I don't know. Yeah, this guy made like a series of videos, just going off about how poor the game design was because he got stuck in this room, and I I thought it was hilarious. Um, and maybe it's the Metroid fan in us, like we're used to kind of shooting walls, shooting things that look suspicious. You know, a lot of newcomers are playing Metroid Dread for the first time. So I can kind of understand that frustration, but I, I don't know. I feel like I was stuck, but I wasn't stuck for very long. And it, it just kind of tickled me that this guy was like so defensive and then doubled down mm -hmm. on his claim that like this was a, a horrible game design. So I, I thought that that was kind of funny. Dak, did you get stuck in this room the first time that you played? You know, I can't remember specifically, but I'm sure I did. And I'll say that I'm thankful that I streamed the first time I played the game because there were a number of times where... I asked for help or was very willingly looking at chat to get help of where to go because I just didn't know where to go. And then once I got the answer, I'm like, oh, 
I, I, I could have done that. So I think that's a big part of the Metro experience. I understand though from, you know, it might not necessarily feel intuitive to people just like, all right, I'm going to shoot like every inch of a wall to advance. Right. I understand that. And yeah. like, there are also like parts of the game where like one of the abilities obviously shows, you know, scans the, the room and you be, and you can find the boxes you need to hit. And that actually doesn't come till later in the game, oddly enough. Whereas if maybe if it came a little earlier in the game, people would have those kind of issues could just be like, all right, I'm just going to use the, my Aeon juice and, and scan the area. So mm-hmm. I, I guess it's, it's on one hand, I, I see what they're saying. It might not be intuitive. On the other hand, maybe it's a part of like instant gratification. Like people don't want to like have to like really look and th- and think hard enough and like figure it out. They kind of just want to be told what that needs to be done and, and do it. Um, it could be a little bit of that, which I also, you know, understand to a degree, even though that's not, you know, part of the Metro experience is, is figuring it out and exploring and, and solving the the means to get ahead. So I I mean, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to those guys like points and comments and rants, because I think there's always going to be people like that who have like some like design opinion, right, about like it should be easier or it should be done differently or this doesn't make sense to me or whatever. And it is what it is. Um, I mean, this guy has some design experience. I'm no game designer, so I'm not going to say I'm an expert or an expert over that guy, but there are certainly times that I got stuck, but like, that's part of the game. You know, that's kind of, it, it is what it is. And eventually you figure it out and you feel satisfied that you figured it out and you kind of like, you know, knock yourself on the head and like, Oh, come on. How did I not figure that out sooner? And that's kind of, that's kind of part of it. But, at the same time, that kind of gameplay is naturally going to make some people frustrated at times. So it is what it is. I think that's the Metroidvania genre, really. It's not for everybody, certainly, because it involves a lot of being lost, a lot of not knowing where to go, and a lot of backtracking. Mm-hmm. And that's not like everybody's cup of tea. And, and I totally get that. And I saw a lot of people um, in the comments just kind of quote retweeting him, being like, look at this fool, like get good, that, that kind of stuff. I don't think that that's well, necessarily get the case, but well, <laughs> try to be diplomatic. I, I guess I can understand, but I wouldn't say I agree with it. Actually, funny enough, when I was doing research for Arteria, there is a screenshot of this exact room in Metroid Dread Report number eight with the appropriate blocks up at the top that were already blown away. So like, if, if you happen to catch Metroid Dread Report, you would know that... Uh, the, the ceiling is where you need to shoot so go figure yeah i guess but at the same time it shouldn't you shouldn't need to rely on like reading an article before no, you know course. to play the game so but i i don't think that's still uh a you know a good reason to justify like getting really mad about it <laughs> but whatever i mean if they want to use their energy in that way i'm not going to say anything so i i just i thought it was funny because i was reading the dread report for um uh the little spiel actually they give about arteria and i was like Hey, I recognize that room. I, I just wrote about that in my notes for this. So there you have it. Uh, one last thing about the, the room layout, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. To my untrained eye, I, I scanned all the areas in Metroid Dread, and I think that the Emmy Zone in Dairon is just slightly bigger, but this is a very, very close second, which probably makes sense because there's two Emmys in this area and uh you know yeah. no emmys in any other area which is actually funny because there's no emmy zone at all in brenia i also noticed while i was doing this so it's uh brenia is the rain one right uh, spread it out which one's brenia yeah it's the water one yeah water, water one gotcha yeah how could i forget brenia of course 
Um, yeah. Oh, that that beautiful waving storm when you get off the elevator. Oh, yeah. If they, if only they made the name a little more memorable, so I could remember those storms, those beautiful storms in Berenia. You know, I bet you people were saying the same thing about Meridia. Back and in they were right. And they were oh, right. Come on. And they were right. And they were right. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, this map for the Emmy zone for this area is huge. It's almost entirely an Emmy zone when you look at it, and it's kind of like. It's like an Emmy zone with like uh, a horseshoe around it, essentially, because the the main route of the zone or like, I guess, of the area of Arteria is like essentially a U that kind of wraps around the Emmy zone and allows you to go to the different areas that surround it. And then, of course, you have the elevator on top. So it's almost entirely that Emmy zone when you look at it, which I actually didn't even realize. Like (laughs) when playing, I did like go back and look at the map and I was like. You know, like like actually looking at it in the menu, I was like, oh wow, yeah, this is pretty much mostly Emmy Zone, but it's ginormous it's, it's and it's it yeah. smack dab in the middle, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, we we had thought that there might be some kind of big robot thing going on in the background of uh, this yeah. Emmy Zone, but I was kind of looking out for it, and I maybe I just missed it, but I didn't see any of those um any of those parts that I think you put together on Twitter to kind of show that maybe there was uh, something being built. That was, I I mean, this is not, this is just a little minor thing, but yeah, I was a hundred percent anticipating like that to be some kind of foreshadowing of, okay, they're building this really huge thing and that never kind of followed through. So I'm like, okay, so were they really building anything? Like why, like what is that? Cause it never comes up and presumably it's now destroyed. You know, so I guess we'll never know, but it's just weird to me. Like what, like they were like, they're clearly building something that's massive in size and it just doesn't show up at all. So like, are they, were they just like building it and like not thinking about that? Like I can't possibly think that. So I don't, I don't understand why that doesn't come up because there's another part of the game where there's a, a massive boss that's foreshadowed in the background in one room. And it's very obvious that you're eventually going to like take it on. It's like twitching, you know, the big experiment boss um like that you're like okay i'm obviously gonna fight this thing and you do and i guess that was because it was so explicit it was like okay this is definitely happening whereas the emmy zone that has like the different parts of this big like mech body it's just it's it's pretty subtle like nothing it's not interactive it doesn't move nothing happens and never changes so i guess in that way like i should never have expected it to been something that would be followed through on but yeah i was kind of I was like, ah, all right, I guess that didn't matter in the end. (laughs) So, whatever. Well, maybe maybe we'll get that that DLC. I was about to say, that's the DLC, baby. That's the DLC boss. It's going to be Robot Ridley 2 as the DLC boss. Watch. Quote us here. I mean, that would be, like, super badass. I'm not going to lie. I'd be be so down for that. Yo, by the way, by Um, the way, I know you're about to go uh, move on, but... I, don't know, I was going to say, the fact that I really don't even care that this game doesn't have Ridley at all speaks volumes to the quality of the game, by the way. Because I feel like I haven't mentioned that at all in the few episodes we've talked about Dread. And while it would be totally cool that if there was like Ridley robot DLC or whatever, like we just said, I actually like don't even mind he's not in the game. <laughs> and I think it's totally fine he's not in the game. And at no point in the game, I was like, damn, this needs Ridley. Like, oh, I was disappointed there's no Ridley. As a huge Ridley fan, as you all know, I was totally okay with that. So I think that says volumes about this game. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's fair. And I think that, um, I think we did mention this. But also, I, I think that if Ridley 
was going to show up in some form or fashion, and we kind of hypothesized that it might be like an Emmy version of Ridley, it should have some bearing on like the story mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, I don't know that there was room for that in this in the story that they told in Metroid Dread. And I, and I agree. I, I actually didn't really feel like it was missing. Like, Craig was there. There wasn't really a reason yeah. for it, but it was just cool to see him. So I was like, okay. But if Ridley would have shown up, I, I think I would have wanted to have a reason rather than him just being there, right? So, yeah. like... Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was missing either. Actually. I, you know, I'll give Kraid a pass because, like, we haven't seen him in so long that, like, again, it's one of those things where, like, it doesn't make any sense. But you're like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't care. It's really cool. But like, the more you think about it, they're like, why would Kraid ever be here? And I don't think they ever explain it. It makes sense that Ridley would show up or get cloned or like be brought back because he has a lot more versatility, right? Like, he's stronger. He's uh, more intelligent. He can fly and survive in the vacuum of space. So, like, all those things make him a really, really great candidate to clone or otherwise have around. So, I was actually, su- I was not surprised, but does I was like, hmm, I wonder why they wouldn't bring Ridley back another time. Even though it would be like, all right, they're bringing him back again. Logically, of all the things to bring back, Ridley is pretty versatile. He's pretty adaptable, pretty flexible in terms of what he can do utility-wise. Kraid really isn't, but it's like, all right, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it probably might have been a bit too overpacked if they had Ridley as well. I agree, it should have had an impact on the story. And, and maybe if this was more Federation focused and they did like that Ridley Emmy and that's, you know, switched in for something else, that probably would have worked for me. But yeah, I'm totally cool with how it worked out. And, and I'm, I'm pretty certain that we're going to see Ridley in the next 2D Metroid and or Prime 4. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I, I think that. I think that you can take a break with Ridley for, like, a game, but you don't want to take a break for too, too, too long. long. Like, Echoes did the same thing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that uh, we'll be seeing our boy soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, usually I try and, like, scratch a little bit of the of the lore, different, different little tidbits that you can find that contribute to the story. Um, and, again, the Prime games are, are really good for this because they have, you know, obviously the goats. all of the, the scans and stuff like that that you can that you can pick out. But usually I think that you can kind of see a little bit of, like, in-world, um, you know, tidbits in the 2D Metroids as well. I don't know that I would necessarily say that for Arteria. Really, the one thing that, uh, that I can find is that you learn via the Chozo records that um, the reason that the first Emmy is so messed up is actually because Ravenbeak went and, uh, and blasted him right in the face. Oh no. So obviously that he did something to this Emmy and maybe that's how we got control of the rest of them somehow. I'm not sure, but that's the reason that the first Emmy is so knackered is because Ravenbeak, uh, hit him with that power slam flying elbow combo. I, you know, I almost don't believe that because I fought that dude and there's no way he didn't destroy it on one touch like <laughs> there's no way this guy didn't just absolutely destroy this emmy without even thinking but i guess maybe he just went easy on it because it was it wasn't even much of a threat i guess like it, it left samus alive too so uh what do i know but yeah this was um not a super i mean i think a lot of it was just because it's like so early in the game i didn't want to maybe put too mm-hmm. much stuff lore wise here like you pretty much have like the chozo statues and that adds that intrigue there you know more than enough that like you can build on it later, but yeah, not not too lore theme, but yeah, I actually didn't. I actually missed that. I didn't realize that like that Emmy specifically was hurt by Ravenbeak. I didn't even think about it really much, but that actually makes sense. <laughs> like why there would be a destroyed one that's kind of messed up a bit. So I'm glad that's at least explained mm-hmm. to some degree somewhere. Yeah, I, I think um, 
if you're thinking of areas that that have kind of uh i guess the most lore if you will um obviously Ferenia, the the chozo city is uh is an area that comes to mind as well as i'm gonna try and desperately remember the name here um elon or ellen or whatever however it's pronounced the little area mm-hmm. where the redacted are stored and eventually released. I feel so like we can say the, what's the there, areas. though, right? Like, I mean, we've already said spoilers. All right, well, we're just going to spoil it anyway, mm-hmm. so I'll just... There we go. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah, so the X are hiding out in, uh, in Elon, and uh, Samus just oh, lets spoilers, them out. Spoilers, dude. Uh, Come on, man. Well, I just gave the Come spoiler on, warning. Come on, man. What are you doing? That's oh, massive my. spoilers. How could you say that? Anyway, continue. Well, I, I called spoilers earlier, so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. This game's been up for three weeks. I don't know what to yeah. tell you if you haven't beat it by now. I agree. Um, yeah, not not too much in the way of lore, which uh, I, I think is, like, okay for the first area. But uh, I, I would say that about most of the areas in this game, actually. Maybe it's just because we it's so fresh. We haven't had a lot of time to sit on it or maybe, you know, formulate any theories or ferment on anything. But uh, a lot of the areas, I, I don't know that they have, like, the same kind of... Um, I don't know, lower than maybe some of the other two. You know, maybe that's maybe that's not fair, though, because you look at Super Metroid and, like, there was a lot of fun theories about the wrecked ship. But, like, I mean, other than that, I guess, like, really, Brinstar is Brinstar, right? Like, there's yeah. not a whole lot of story I would say, there. for the most part, the environments are pretty on par for what you'd expect to, like, glean lore-wise from for 2D Metroid. If anything, it probably it has more than others, just because, yeah, like, at the very, like, the older Metroids, like, even in Metroid Fusion, like, there isn't, like, you what you kind of get the general idea of what's happening at like a first glance. So, and yeah, there are a couple yeah. theories of what's happening. I think Dread does a pretty decent job, but like they'll never stack up obviously to like the Prime games. But they're that's like a completely different horse in a different race. So, um, I actually I think I think the world building for you know in in terms of setting and like what you can get from environments and and the lore that's present in the game outside of just what's being told outright, I think is actually pretty solid. You know, world building wise. For a 2D Metroid, it gives you a pretty solid sense of what's happening in every area. You can see, like, the Chozo influence and whatnot. And, yeah, once you start to get to, like, the Chozo City and where the X are kept and, like, the ship, like, it really amplifies a lot more. It's, like, it's a slow slow burn, so to speak, I think. But I, I, I would say it's pretty on par mm-hmm. with the other 2D Metroids. Or, at the very least, I'd probably say on par with, like, Fusion, which, you know, maybe has a bit more, like, lore-ish world building than the other 2D Metroids. Mm. I I really wanted um I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I'll I'll use my Axiom Verge reference, but like in Axiom Verge you can find tablets that that give you a little bit of the story and those tablets are nonsensical and they don't really contribute to the story, but the premise is something that I hoped would carry over to Metroid mm-hmm. where like maybe you could find um I don't know, something yeah, like maybe more some pages scans, or like something. Maybe... Yeah, just something like a collectible yeah. to find. Yeah, hundred percent. There's there should yeah, have been something like something that. Like, that. Like, like the Metroid, like the dread reports, like put some of that, I don't know, in the game. Just I don't know, like a collectible you could get. Like I agree, like that kind like you you can't implement the well, I mean I guess Prime two D kind of showed you can implement the, the scanning thing in a two D Metroid pretty well. So they could have done it. So yeah, I, I think that having that, you know, bringing lore in, like the scans or a collectible, like pages you can find or, or you know, whatever mm-hmm. artifacts, something like that, is, I would say, a pretty, yeah, a missed opportunity. But I guess they were not too focused on that, especially because, like, this 2D Metroid is more, like, you know, just straight up dialogue, too, <laughs> um, to maybe compensate yeah, for that. And, so. and it certainly doesn't ruin the experience yeah. by any means. But, like, I, I think even if they went with, like, kind of the trope of, 
of like voice recording or something yep. like mm-hmm. that you know like you find the tapes or like that would have been it's cool. kind of tired but i i think even that would like have been chozo fine, tapes right? like, or it, something i would have been down for that yeah, yeah i think that would have been nice like more world building like that would have been great you know stuff that you can find in the environment it's not just from straight up from the cutscenes. i'm always down for stuff like that yeah me too um okay correct me if i'm wrong because i very well could be wrong here but okay. I was kind of looking through the, uh, the the plain Jane enemies, so not the bosses, but just the everyday enemies that you encounter in this area. There are a ton of different enemies, but I don't, I, I didn't see any um, enemies that were like native to Arteria. I think that most everything you see in this area, you see in other areas in this game as well. Am, am I incorrect? Yeah, so you mean like just exclusive to this area? Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's correct. Um, do those big crab things that lo- like lunge up at you or like stand up on their hind legs? Like, are those in other areas too? I think that's maybe the one thing that I would say is only uh, in our th- Those guys appear in in Gavern, Okay, the forest. The forest area. Area, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, maybe it's. I think everything shows or like yeah, you're right. I think everything that shows up in this area shows up elsewhere. Um. I can't think of anything that doesn't. Yeah, you might be right on that. Uh, I took a, I took a quick little twenty minute jaunt around Arteria last night, kind of looking for anything that was unique, and uh, I didn't see anything. But if I'm wrong, please let us know. One thing that I know for absolutely for sure is that there are a couple of bosses that are definitely native to this area. Um, so let's start off with I, let's start off with the the first Emmy. That you fight, and this guy is—I uh, can't remember what his designation is—but he—he's not long for this world for very long. It's uh, kind of your intro Emmy. You get the Omega Cannon right away. You blast him. Still kind of a, a creepy sequence at the very beginning, though. Uh, good, good way to kind of introduce the game mechanics of getting the Omega Cannon and blasting him right in the face. So, not not like a, a big long fight, and it certainly is really just there to prep you up for the next Emmy fight. But I thought that this one was fun. Yeah, I would say it's not much farther than what I would expect, right? Like, it's the starter kind of boss to get you ready for the other evolutions of that boss later. I like that they did that. Like, it isn't just, okay, there are seven or eight Emmys to fight. Like, this Emmy has this ability. This one's stronger than the next, you know, et cetera. So, um, which, which, which I would say is also to be expected, like, for them to do that kind of concept. But it's still nice to see, and it was implemented well. But yeah, this is like the easiest of them pretty much. Like it's not anything that um, is is particularly wow. It was a crazy thunder strike or lightning strike. I don't know if you heard that. The thunder was loud as hell. But um yeah, that that Emmy was not anything crazy, but I think overall just a nice like starter of what to expect, which is what it should have been and wasn't like super hard or anything, which the later bosses definitely get a bit harder. So yeah, a nice starter Emmy to kick things off. Uh, well, the the next Emmy is certainly a step up in difficulty, um, particularly the first time that you encounter it or in your first playthrough. Uh, this is the the white Emmy. I think his designation is SM for Spider Magnet. Um, this thing can walk up walls, but it cannot go through small spaces. So you have a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. to escape from it there. Um, the one the one sequence though, where you have to go and like stand on the the switch to lower the water uh i I was pretty like i was pretty uh you know intense when i did that the first time because i was not as fluent in my metroid dread motion as i later became and so the the emmy was like 
right on my butt the whole time. And like I had to do, I think, three laps to actually get the uh, the water to rise up and slide down that, that area where I needed it to. By the way, sliding down, that, that thing was awesome. I love the slide in this game. Yeah. Particularly when you're just like going downwards. So cool. But uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was, again, definitely not as difficult as some of the Emmys that we are going to see, particularly the blue Emmy and, uh, you know, the yellow Emmy, even like really the, the purple Emmy, the latter three Emmys are all like super hard. Yeah. (laughs) This one was pretty manageable, I think, but uh, still at the time, you know, killed me definitely more than, uh, more than a few times. Yeah. In comparison to what you play against later, it's really nothing, but it is, uh, it's, it's, it gets you essentially warmed up, right? It's a perfect warm up Emmy. And you're right. You had to kind of like be on the move. Was, of course, you have to for every Emmy. But I do like that they implemented this kind of like looping. Like, okay, like you gotta, you have some, you have to like, you know, get rid of that or uh, raise the water level or like just in general. And a lot of bosses where you only have like small moments to get shots in before you gotta loop back around and keep moving. I love stuff like that. Or reminds me of like the SAX fight in Fusion. Where you're just running in that loop on the on the floor to the left side, then jumping into the platforms, jumping back down and going in a big circle. At least it's how I did it. I know some other people did it that way too. I would assume. Um, and a lot of bosses in this game have that kind of feel where you're just constantly on the move and you're trying to like get a route down, and then you're stopping when you can to like do whatever you need or deal damage. And this is like one of the first kind of instances of that. So yeah, I like that little mechanic they added. Overall, I'm really happy with the boss battles in this game because they're not just straight up like damage dumps or just like dodging. Mm-hmm. Like there are additional mechanics that they added that you kind of have to be aware of. And sure, once you do get to a point where you understand the pattern, it isn't that hard, but it still requires some, you know, technical like prowess a little bit, some timing, some awareness, some, you know, the Emmys get harder and harder over time. I think they, the bosses in this game, I know we were talking about the original Emmy, but in, in Arteria, but overall the bosses in this game are sick. I can't wait for us to talk about all the boss battles in an upcoming episode, actually. But yeah, I think this is a nice starter warm-up Emmy to kick things off. Uh, I think that episode is, is going to come soon, maybe even as soon as yeah. uh, next week, potentially. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, really fun. Anything you want to say about Corpius, or do you just want to save that for when we do our boss show? I, no, I want I definitely want to talk about Corpius. Not too much, yeah, because of the boss show, but um, real quick, Corpius is obviously a boss that we've talked about already a bit because was show, you know he was shown off in the original reveal, was shown off in the Treehouse gameplay during E3. I've seen Corpius a bunch, but still actually getting to fight and, and play against Corpius, again, a, an enemy oh. that, like, once you figure him out, isn't too hard, but I love, like, the different patterns. It's not just, like, a, a one- or two-phase boss that, like, the patterns are, like, pretty similar. Like, you get, like, pretty, like, solid, dynamic uh, changes in what the boss does. Not just, like, from simple tail swipes. It's turning invisible. It's, like, spraying acid at you. You gotta jump on the wall. You gotta slide under it. Like, I, I love... Was, that was the perfect, like, way to really kick off the game because it adds... All those things that you really know about the beginning of Metroid Dread all at once together, like clinging on the wall, sliding under the boss, dealing damage, the little quick time event you have, the different phases it gets you. Of course, it gives you the Phantom Cloak. Wow, another huge lightning strike. Um, the Phantom Cloak is implemented, you know, nicely into the boss because it's like really, it, it's it's 
not frightening, but it is, you know, it puts you on edge a little bit when you have this huge boss in this room that takes up, like, a, a solid amount, and then it just goes invisible on you, and you're like, oh, like, I know it's right in front of me, but still, like, I want to know the exact parameters of this big boss I'm fighting so I can make sure I take it down, and you can see its little, like, glowing, like, tail, like, it's like yeah, a glowfish, yeah, it's, yeah, it reminds me of, like, deep sea fish in the ocean, um, yeah, such an awesome boss, the design is sick, it, like, I don't even, it's, like, clearly this, like, a, amalgam of different things. It looks like it's kind of part Metroid. It's, like, face is, like, scrunched into, like, a point in the middle. Um, it has that crazy tail. The quick time event is sick. The room itself with, like, whatever, like, the blood or, like, the whatever it is on the ground. Like, I, that whole package is so well done. And, yeah, it's not the most challenging boss overall, but, like, it's just a really fun experience. And it's an awesome thing to tackle. It doesn't take too many tries. It's a really solid boss. I really love Corpius. Uh, yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth. It, it's it's fantastic. I, I don't want to go too in-depth, but I will say that one thing I love about this boss, and I, I actually you could probably say this about almost every boss in this game, is like, like yeah, like it's not challenging, but there are certain things and certain techniques that you can do to beat him easily, but like you just feel awesome after doing mm -hmm. them. Like you feel like you're just like this masterful Metroid player. And like, that's really rewarding to me rather than like spamming, you know, 16 missiles into Arachnus and then he's, he's dead. Right. Like, so yeah, lots of, lots of really cool techniques. Um, and, and then you like have that, that ending cutscene with Samus jumping through the oh tail and like the, the steez just like putting the shots Dude, in. The, oh. the ending cutscenes where Samus finishes off, like most of the bosses so in this sick. game are just like, Oh my God. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, Let's let's save it for the boss episode because I'm getting hyped up talking about Corpius. But yeah, this this was awesome. Um, let's talk. I guess we could quickly mention too that you fight a uh, a Chozo warrior in here. I, I think by this point, um, you pretty much have the Chozo warrior formula down. So like, it's not really too much of a, or at least to me, it wasn't too much of a stretch um, for the for these guys, especially like the spear ones. I don't think were too too bad. But uh, he shows up too, mm -hmm. so you know they cut kind of, these chose a warrior fights. Actually, almost remind me of like fighting like Gamma Metroids or Omega Metroids in Samus Returns, because like they kind of spawn and they're the same fights, but there are different things in the actual rooms themselves that kind of differentiate them a little bit. Um, so yeah, those are those are like fun little mini bosses for what they are. I like the Chozo warriors. Yeah, like you're talking about like the ones with the not the Chozo robots, but like the ones with the staff and the shield eventually and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I yeah. like those. Yeah, you get the added shield eventually, which I know people were like, "Yeah, you just grapple it off." And I was like, oh, I just, I mashed missiles at a shield until it broke. <laughs> but I like that there are options because some people told me, oh, I didn't even break the shield. So, like, that was three different options at least that you well, could If get. you break the shield, you get a ton of health and a ton of missiles. Yeah. So there is uh, some advantage. I broke that. the shield because I was like, you're getting in the way of me mashing missiles in your face. So that, that shield needs to go, buddy. And then eventually they, I'm pretty sure they get like, you know, they become... Your Chosa Warrior or ex Chosa Warriors, you know, where they're like their heads open up and they're shooting the big ink blast at you. I love that change yeah. too, because again, it, it it's another thing you have to mix up in your strategy against them, and it requires a little bit of, of technical skill because they have those like big like X laser beams or whatever, like those big ink blasts that are like hit scan, and you gotta like be on the move and like almost flash away like the moment they're about to blast out. They do hella damage. So still not like unmanageable at all, but they're very satisfying, very fun. 
and quick and, and fast pace and and then yeah sam is just like obliterating him at the end is so cool so yeah we'll talk more about that next time but still uh love that we get to see a little bit of that here too in arteria very very satisfying again the animation mm-hmm. that finishes these dudes off but uh let's let's move on let's just quickly we've we've more or less touched on most of these so we can just kind of quickly mention them here tons and tons and tons of upgrades that you can get uh, the Phantom Cloak, the Charge Beam, the Grapple Beam, the Various Suit, the Spider Magnet, and much later in the game, the Screw Attack. So two two things that I managed to do in one of my playthroughs is I went and got the early Grapple Beam, which you can get um, immediately after getting the Various Suit. If you, if you double back to Dairon, you can go and get the Bombs, and then once you have those, you can go and get uh, the early Grapple Beam, and you have to pull kind of like... Uh, a pretty intense move where like you you fall and then like very quickly grapple like change from morph ball into um into like i guess samus and Mm -hmm. and grab the ledge but like it's a very very short window to do so so i got that that was very cool and uh, i got the early screw attack as well and i don't even know how i did that but i got it before i got like the space jump the wave beam um any of those i just ended up back in arteria getting the early uh, screw attack which required a lot of very clever shine sparks to actually make it out of that area but yeah tons and tons and tons of items that you can get in here too and as we'll talk about in just a second tons of missile expansions as well over 20 of them in this area which i guess makes sense because this is just a, such a ginormous area yeah absolutely there's a lot of cool things you can explore i have to d- dive deeper into those puzzles and, and extra expansions you have to get but i think there's like at least like 20 power like upgrades you can get in this area there's a lot of stuff you can get it's it makes sense because it's so big like you said um i want to talk about a few of them right now because there are so i i think that metroid dread is like undisputably the single best metroid game when it comes to shine spark puzzles i think if you asked me before i might have said zero mission i might have said fusion if you're asking me today, I'm saying Metroid Dread because, oh man, every area in this game has at least one absolutely bonkers Shine Spark puzzle and like a, a, probably a few more that are that are pretty challenging or at least take you a time or two before you can actually achieve them and get it. So I think that, uh, that the one that everybody probably talks about in Arteria, the one that is the hardest one, at least for me, is at the very top left, kind of by where you got the uh, the various suit. You need to shine, or you need to speed boost, crouch down, cross bomb these two bombs while there's this enemy thing coming at you. So you need to shoot it out of the way as well, or activate your speed boost before you get there. Uh, and then you need to to flash shift across one of those gates that you that if you hit it, it locks the door. And then you need to like. If you have any time left, very quickly activate your Shine Spark and go straight up. It's like pretty intense to pull off. And I felt like an absolute like master <laughs> when I finally got it. So this this was one of several uh, really awesome Shine Spark puzzles in this area. I, I actually, I want to say, I think I saw uh, Oats and Goats uh, do that. The One of the speedrunners on Twitch doing that. Oats doing that earlier when I was watching his run. And some of the, the some of the stuff that the, the speedrunners are doing already are oh like God. they're so already so far ahead. I'm just like, oh my! Like they are lo- mastering this game and making it look so easy. When I remember trying to do some of this stuff, 
and some of this stuff, and it was not easy for me. <laughs> so even the the way that they move, like the way. Uh, so we we're we're gonna talk about glitches, but uh, since we're talking about oats and goats, let's just talk about glitches now. Um, because I was watching one of his runs too. It's just like the way that these guys just move from like left to right, and the way that they jump and the way that they shoot is like those very basic things are like so masterful like there's not a wasted second it's just mm-hmm. absolutely Gotta save those frames it's, it's crazy yeah i yeah. love like it, you can um, tell like from the practice like how like second oh, nature man. it's becoming it's awesome to watch uh yeah so the, these guys are doing like some crazy things there's a a pretty common skip in the very beginning of the game where you can use what's called the the pseudo wave beam and you can blast um I don't know if they have a name or not, but one of those explosive brain things that hide out in the walls. Uh, you can actually skip the first Emmy if you're able to pull this off. I think that's that's a fairly common one. I was able to do that once uh, in one of my just playthroughs, kind of schmucking around. Um, but it actually, and I don't know how it's done, but I know that you can like completely skip the the Corpius fight too until like the the very end of the game. Wow, uh, which is again just bonkers to me. I'll have to check that out because I, I want to see what routes are being like done here. It seems like I, I was seeing like, can you even script Kraid or like get to him late too? Or maybe I was mistaken there. I know there was like someone talking about that or like some other skip that might not be worth it. But skipping an entire boss, like already hearing stuff like that, they're really cracking this game open, which is crazy. Awesome to hear. Yeah, it's it's completely wild to watch some of these masters play this game and just like completely take it apart like like they're neo and this game is the matrix so it's very cool um two more quick expansions that i want to talk about uh before we move on again shine spark puzzles i'm i'm a mark for these things Uh, i love the shine spark puzzle in the middle emmy zone where like you have to get into the morph ball and then you basically get into this like this little nook and then you launch across like three whole rooms up this ramp to get this this missile uh it's just like a really spectacular looking sequence and then um there is one right when you get into arteria from berenia and you're in kind of the frozen section and you're running downhill it's it's kind of an easy one once you know what you're doing but like you have to um you have to shoot out a missile block as you're like speed boosting so that one i thought was kind of fun as well i I always like kind of being forced to do other things like shoot or, or pay attention or in Metro dread you slide or whatever while you're, while you're speed boosting. So uh, that one stuck out to me as well as, as just being a nice fun kind of breezy expansion, but yeah, just like so many good expansions in this game, particularly the shine spark puzzles um, and Arteria is definitely no slouch in that department. Absolutely not. Um, all right. So one more thing and then we'll wrap it up about uh, Arteria here. And I'm not sure I, I, I know what you're gonna say. But I like the music of this of this area. I'm not gonna lie. I, I think that the the overall theme and, and you know, we were gonna do a, a Metroid music episode or a Metroid Dread music episode, and I think we're just gonna amalgamate that into our Metroid Dread definitive ranking. But I, I think that the Metroid Dread music is solid, if not unspectacular. I, I don't think that there's any standout track in this game, but I think that most of the tracks are really solid. And again, as I was cruising around Arteria last night, I was just like, it's kind of digging the the theme music. Like it's it's kind of unassuming. It's got this like nice little quietly synthy vibe to it. Duminal's probably pulling his hair out somewhere listening uh-huh. to me describe music here, but um, I thought that that was cool. The the Emmy zone is like 
tense, quiet, very Metroid Fusion-esque to me. Um, and the Corpius boss fight theme, I thought, is like very intense, very cool. The escape sequence, I really think, is cool. So I think that this area actually has a lot of uh, of stuff going for it. And even the, the way that they kind of slow the music down when like you're in the Frozen section of it, I, I think that this is, uh, again, maybe not spectacular, but I, I think it's really solid. Yeah, you know, I it is it's inconsistent for me. I'm on the I'm on the fence with a lot of the music in this game, and then some of it I just don't just outright don't like. But Artaria is it has some music that's pretty good, and some that I really didn't like, and it comes into a mix of of I guess it's okay or it's or it's passable for me. I don't know. Yeah, there's nothing that stands out from my understanding that there are like there are th- two or three like different Artaria themes that play throughout the game and then there's the Frozen theme as well like you have that like beginning like very ambient like almost entirely environmental noises like theme like version of the Artaria theme and that one i think is really good for you know the most part like it just mostly ambient sounds it works really well and then i think when you get farther into the area and into the game it they add a little more to it it becomes like its own distinct second theme um, that one, like, there's a lot of music in this game where, in this, I felt like it happens in Artaria and it happens in Diron and it happens, el- it happens elsewhere, where there's just too much, like, there's too much happening in the music. Like, there's too many sound effects. It feels like someone has, like, one of those MIDI boards and they're just hitting all the different effects <laughs> that they could possibly find on oh, the board. Man. Like, when I went back to listen to some of the Artaria tracks, some of the environmental themes are good. But then, like, there's one portion where I'm just like, bro, like, they're just hitting, like, there's way too much. Like, there's a constant, theme, like, repetitive, like, sound in the background that's stacked, and then there's, like, another harmony happening, and then there's, like, all these different sound effects just being thrown in. It's constantly changing, and it just, it feels like it's way too much, because I think there's a, at least, like, the third Arteria theme, or, like, the third, like, I guess, like, instance of it which goes in a different route. It actually sounds like it has like an, a fusion or other M like motif in it, where it sounds like it's one of the, the themes from those games, but it's so buried behind uh, like in, in underneath all this other clashing, like calcophony of, of sound and music that are just way too much. It's, it's overwhelming. And I felt that way a lot about this game. Like at times, like it felt like it was too much. There's too much music happening, but for Arteria, yeah, like, at some points, it's actually really well done. At other points, it made me, like, okay, like, let me get out of here. I wouldn't say it entirely made me want to leave. The di- There's one portion of music in Diaron that legitimately makes me want to leave the area. I disliked it so much. Arteria, it's just very unassuming. It's not doesn't stand out, but it's not, like, like, get out heat, you know? Like, go away heat for me. It's just, like, it's okay, it's passable, but, like, I wish there was a more distinct identity to the music. I wish it kind of stood out more. I wish any area had more standout music to it. But overall, Orteria's is really not that bad. It's it's pretty decent in most areas. It's not it's yeah, it's all right. It's not it's not offensive. It's okay. Doesn't, you know, not anything I would really go out of my way to listen to though, but um pretty good, I guess. Well, that was more diplomatic than I was actually anticipating, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take that. And I know, I realize I'm I'm in the minority of, uh, you know, people when it comes to the music of Metroid Dread, and we'll talk more about that in our definitive ranking episode. We're going to have Duminal join us for that, but uh, I, I think that it gets a bad rap, and I think that we'll appreciate it more in the years to come, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Um, Dak, any, any last thoughts on Arteria before we go ahead and get out of here? Hmm... 
<laughs> no, I think we covered. I mean, the only other thing I have to say is I wish I had a better name because um, I keep wanting to say Altaria <laughs> or Arctera or something. And I'm just like, please, if it was called like Arteria Caverns or something or I don't know, just Arteria Caves, like just a lot easier to remember. But I guess now that I'm playing the game more and I've like I'm remembering the names a bit more, it's, I guess it'll, it'll not that they'll grow on me, but I'll just remember them, I guess. I just do wish they had a bit more specificity to the actual areas than they do overall though i really think it's an, a well-executed area in terms of how it's built like the world design uh you know the geometry and actual level design of the area around the emmy room the different bosses and enemies the actual aesthetics and landscapes and like you know what you actually see is really awesome you get a little bit of taste of everything but it's like that classic metroid cavern feel brought to like a modern kind of depiction all the different animals flying around the different dynamic backgrounds like you said like the thermal flow stuff is cool i love the frozen section it's a it's really a good taste of like almost everything in the game good boss battles good like you know kind of open exploratory areas you have a really big emmy zone you have specific sequences that force you to you know take on a specific objective in a small amount of time you have a bunch of different uh, pickups and power-ups of all different shapes and sizes and kinds so yeah i mean this is like a really solid sampling of of everything this game has to offer and for that reason i enjoy this area very much so yeah yeah very well put i i think that this area is, i think is one of the strongest opening areas it might be it might be the strongest opening area in a Metroid game, uh, 2D Metroid game. And, and if it's not, then it's probably not close behind, I would say, Zero Mission's Brinstar, just in terms of, like, scope and, and different things that you can do and the amount of, I guess, times that you need to come back and, and the amount of useful items that you can get. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that this area does, like, a really good job of, you know, easing the player into what they are going to get themselves into in Metroid Dread. And then, yeah, like you said, it has some really cool sequences that, again, they kind of foreshadow with the with the escape sequence, what you're going to do at the end of the game. It has that great Metroid Fusion-esque sequence where you need to do your objective right now. So, yeah, I, I think that this area really has a little bit of everything. Like I said at the top of the show, it's it's very much like a utility area. And... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and definitely say that it's a jack of all trades, but I think that it's a master of a lot. You you we swayed my opinion doing the show on Arteria here. So really great area of the game, and uh, it was fun to do mapping Metroid once again. Uh, we are going to be back, of course, next week. Should we just call it the audible? Should we do the bosses next week? Yeah, I mean, let's do it. I'm down to talk bosses, man. It's one of my favorite parts of the game. I'm I'm down too. I was I was getting excited while we were talking bosses, so. Let's do it. Next week, we're going to be ranking the bosses of Metroid Dread. You know that that is going to be a doozy, and uh, that's going to be a good time. But until then, we are going to get out of here for this week. Uh, we want to encourage everybody to check us out over on Twitter, at OmegaMetroidPod, at Spateri316, at DaxCity underscore. And, of course, tell that Metroid fan in your life about the podcast and where they can get their weekly Metroid fix. Check us out wherever you get your podcast and uh like and subscribe we would appreciate it very much and come and hang out with us in discord we have a lot of really awesome metroid fans in there lots of cool talk going on so come and hang out with us um until next week everybody take care
I can, yes. That's funny. Just leave it in. Everyone loves the, everyone everyone loves the dog. Everyone loves the dog, man. 